Don't look under the internet. Guess what's behind the fake screen? <laughs> now I'm gonna. That's a game we should play like every week. I, I should. Yep. I should come up with some new strange object to put behind me every week. You should, and then just and get then, rid- <laughs> get rid of the, the fake screen. Yeah. <laughs> I like I love that. Honestly, if you want to surprise Mike when he comes back with that, that would be fantastic. He would love it. He's a game show enthusiast. He's a game show enthusiast. He played a fucking game show host for D&D. It's time for our weekly segment, What's Behind Moot. <laughs> Speaking of what's behind Moot, welcome welcome to the Don't Look Under the Internet, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's a podcast. It is. What Doug, what type of podcast is it? Horror comedy. It's an internet horror comedy. God fucking damn it. Horror, horror internet uh, comedy. Horror, internet horrors. Internet comedy horror. Pod, horrible internet pod comedy. Horror comedy. It is a horrible internet comedy. Yes, it's no, a, that's that's a more accurate we're representation. A, we're a rom-com podcast. <laughs> Sometimes. True. We are meet cute. <laughs> Some, what <laughs> it's a, it's a famous staple rom-com meet cute yep cute me okay Jason my dad watches hallmark do, okay i can't don't don't judge me do staples meet each other i hope so rob i've never seen the movie is a rob schneider is. <laughs> rob <laughs> schneider is <laughs> fantastic oh, well man. before we get into our topic should we do some diluity clap, clap. above your head butt cleaning hell yeah uh today we've got we've got some patrons guys. spooky to scary hell yes spooky a spooky scary spooky i wonder scary, if, scary. i wonder if this is the uh somebody i went to college with because he had the the nickname spooky parentheses to scary hmm. maybe maybe if you, you ask them hey they're right there spooky you could message them on patreon spooky did you go to monmouth college between the years of 2008 and 2012, because if you did, uh, I'm sorry <laughs> for a lot of stocks, things. Stocks, 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 stocks. <laughs> we also have Ray McKenna. Hi, Ray McKenna. Hey, Ray. That's R-A-E, not R-A-Y. Why does that sound like a and wrestler's then, name? It might be. <laughs> Ray, Ray McKenna! <laughs> <laughs> yes. And we've got Major Bear. Major it's Bear. Like Major Laser, but with bears instead. Major Bear. Is that like the difference between like Ursa Major and Ursa Minor? Like constellations? It's like having a major clue <laughs> and raging about it. Oh, I've got such a bear right now. <laughs> Let's follow nope, that's, that's a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Let's follow your bear. Oh my God. I All right. I can't. <laughs> Uh, thank you guys <laughs> thank you thank you thank you so much for supporting us in any way you can but monetarily primarily Mono- thanks for giving us money absolutely it's worth it absolutely. money goes to uh great causes didn't we mm. what did we just we just talked about a way to, to use our money what what was that oh uh i recommended that uh if you really want 
if you really love us and support us, <laughs> that's right. That you give us money because we need a twenty four seven Dwayne cam so that you can just see my fat cat in the corner of our streams, just chilling. Hell yeah, yeah, just hanging out. It, it's like I don't know uh, if you're on the video. I feel like we can milk so here. much if money you're on out of the that. Video, that black blob in the background is just my fat sleeping cat. He and, cleans beards. Uh, he's pretty chill. He's pretty chill. He doesn't even know. He you need the cam know. of the door they fight through at night. Oh, God, oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The fight cam. Like somehow keep score. Let's call it the Thunderdome. <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot of uh, options, people. We have a lot of options. We have ideas, sure. but not the time to execute them. But welcome, welcome, welcome to Don't Look Under the Internet. Uh, once again, Mike is being a dad, being really? everybody's dad, really. But gross. But more <laughs> being one person's dad in particular. <laughs> no, he's <laughs> specifically <laughs> that person's dad. You want to name one father that Mike is in reference to? Uh, a man named what? Charles. He's your dad, Charles. If you're listening, Mike is your dad. Sp- I bet there's more than one Charles listening. That's the beauty of it, Matt. (laughs) We're we're gonna have a we're we have to have a meeting of the Charles, like the meeting (laughs) of the I don't even remember what their name was, but that guy, uh, yeah, the that guy organized the Facebook event, the battle of the every Charles that listens to Deluti, (laughs) we're gonna have to have a battle, figure out which one of you is Mike's son. That'd be fantastic. It'd be like our March Madness version too. Kyle, this time in Charles, Charles Madness. Much better. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um I don't is there there's no way to segue from where we're at right now. Is I there? have no idea. I have how no to way to do it. I, I just can't. Matt, give us something. You have anything? Today we're doing the Harbinger experiment. <laughs> that's there as good is. a way as any. If that any is that's perfect. If any of you guys have heard of the Harbinger experiments, um you will know how terrifying it is. It falls in the vein of human experimentation. Um, if you know anything about MK Ultra, this falls into a similar vein. Um, it's just, it's, it's just, it's just strange. Strange is an understatement just for sure. Weird. It's just weird. It's weird. It's Jimmy. it's a little weird. Jimmy's man. Doug, do you have um, anything to to say about this before we actually talk about it? Well, there's going to be a lot less us talking about it and a lot more you talking about it. But <laughs> that being said, don't we, give away we, the meta too early. We, Jesus. We, we, <laughs> there's a cat underneath me and I freaked out because I was not sure what was sniffing my foot. Um, anyways, need cat uh, cameras attached to him. I, that's what I'm to, saying. If if Doug had the Dwayne cam, he wouldn't have been surprised by no, the this, fact. This would have been Jack cam. Okay, so this is after Dwayne cam. Yeah, this is this is. Either way, we have to start somewhere. We need two cats. It's like cams. streamer house. Um, <laughs> yes, but cats. But for cats, yeah. But to get us out of this, let's let's first let's let's cheers to our audience and our new patrons and our new patrons. Thank, thank you, thank for you, listening. thank you. We're for, doing. We're doing our drunk shenanigans as we do. Um, cheers to you and come on her. <laughs> Just straight to the chase. If you if you if you hear a clink, you also drink and dink it and sink it and hey, <laughs> come on her. I didn't bring any liquid this week because my life is in turmoil. Fifty dollar Patreon tier help Matt. You know, not turmoil. Do that. 
<laughs> Move Matt to it's Illinois. Not really turmoil. It's planned turmoil. <laughs> <laughs> Bird Scooter! Bloody FM presents Hometown Ghost Stories, a paranormal podcast that investigates a new town every week, bringing you all the hauntings, from haunted houses to castles, bridges to asylums, wandering spirits to demons. Over 100 episodes covering different towns all over the world. Tune in to Hometown Ghost Stories live on YouTube every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern or on any podcast platform and find out if your hometown is haunted. All right. So let's let's talk about some fucked up science experiments. All right. So Ooh. we're, we're going to be listening to a story about three test subjects. And and what's going on here is basically we're going to try and see uh, if we can prove the existence of supernatural phenomena. All right. Okay. Did so, you, where are your dowsing rods? Uh, they're downstairs and I'm not allowed to touch them when I've been drinking. Really? Here's a story yes. about dowsing rods. Actually, Ooh. you reminded me, so I had to tell it. Please. I, w- I was selling my house as, which is why my, ha- my life is in turmoil right now. And, uh, it has a septic system. And there are pipes that come out of a septic tank Mike. called a leach field, called where a like the pump, water yeah. actually drains out. Mike is and intrigued. So, like, there there aren't any records of where these things were buried. And the people that were buying the house were like, "We want to know where these are." And I'm like, "Well, I don't fucking know. There, God knows where they are and where they were buried." Like, and I called a bunch of different people who basically told me to get fucked. Um, and one person was like yeah I can find it and I was like great and he's like I'll be there tomorrow morning and he shows up and it's this old ass dude with a Vietnam uh, war like veteran hat on gets out of his truck and yanks out two dousing rods and just walks out into my yard and is just like walking around in the yard with this old dude following him around he's like spray there spray there spray there and in fought like five minutes he he comes back and he's like found it and i'm like he's like that'll be a hundred bucks god damn it holy are you telling me are you telling me that if you if you own a set of dousing rods you can make a hundred dollars an hour you can also use them to find water yeah well i mean i guess it's like that's like actually like an old like wives tale i guess that i think that's where the name water and like buried objects this man with divining rods had to have played you oh yeah he did i i thought i thought for a moment about being like no i'm not gonna fucking pay you and then i was like this man may actually be mentally unstable, so you know what? it may be worth a hundred dollars to just get him off of my property. You're just like, sir, get off my lawn. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I wish the thought of the conundrum of is this man divining water or is he mentally handicapped? I wish that <laughs> dilemma came across my desk more often. I think we found our new game show. <laughs> Mentally yeah. handicapped or finding water. <laughs> or finding water. Holy oh, shit. Jesus Christ. <laughs> this so, has nothing to do. 
It never does, man. It's today's episode. It folks. never does. All right, let me let me transition us out of here. You got this, man. I believe in you. We were just talking about a, a crazy water man. So let's, let's go. Uh, you'll like today's topic if you're familiar with the movie uh, From Beyond, because boy, howdy, uh, the similarities are glaring in this. Yep. But that being said, if you haven't seen From Beyond, uh, there's warning now. Uh, if you're squeamish or don't care yep. for fuckery, uh, Gore. Tur- turn back. Yeah. Don't go forward or at least <laughs> trigger warning fuckery. Tr- yeah. Trigger warning fuckery. Uh, that's the best way to put it. So as many of you have guessed, these tests will probably not go very well, right? We don't, we, we're not going to, we're not going to talk about a science experiment that goes <laughs> that right, <went> right? <laughs> um, so let's just, uh, you know, let's just hear the story from the point of view of someone who was actually hired to help run and oversee all of these tests. Do you think that's that's good? I think so. Yes. And especially considering the harbinger. So when I say the words harbinger experiment. Not only does that bring like a sense of doom, but like no one knows what the fuck I'm talking about. The word harbinger has like doom attached to it, kind of. So, you know, there's something sinister afoot, but Matt, define harbinger. Uh, just off the uh, cuff. Warning. It means warning. It means like yeah, no. like a sign of yeah. danger. Hundred cool. percent. I yeah. was really just trying to throw you off, but that's perfect. <laughs> but Thank no, that you was, for that. Yeah, foreboding. Um, well, you looked at your screen, and I was like, "Does that mean he's looking at me?" I am actually. <laughs> You're just this little little square okay. in the corner of my screen. I saw um, a glint in Doug's eye. I think D- Matt. Just be on your game for the next like forty five minutes. <laughs> I'm always on my game, man. Ooh. All right. All right. All right, y'all. Well, can you endure the Harbinger experiment? That's a good question. Should we let them find out for themselves? Roll the tape! (laughs) The following is the only surviving audio entry from one Dr. Data Expunged. One of 15 hired individuals to help oversee and aid in the success of something known as the Harbinger Experiment. The world we live in is full of things we don't understand. Being the curious humans that we are, we naturally try and seek these things out. Doing so has led us to remarkable discoveries and inventions that we never could have imagined a hundred years ago. We have defeated disease, built to the sky itself, and even created machines that could take us beyond the clouds into the stars. If our ancestors could see us in what we have created, I'm sure many of them would see us as gods. Our innate curiosity and lust for knowledge has not always led us to greatness, however. True evil and darkness have also been uncovered in humanity's conquest for knowledge. And in the end, I fear this evil will be our doom. I do not say this from the standpoint of a great philosopher who has sat and simply pondered things either. No, I say this because I've seen it, experienced it. I was a part of it. The event I am about to relate to you is true in its entirety, this I swear. I feel certain that this will fall on deaf ears, and many of you will believe this to be just another spooky story meant to give you cheap thrills, but I promise you, this is neither my intent 
nor my purpose. The purpose of this story is to simply warn you of what lurks beyond the veil, of what we can see and understand, to show you what awaits us in the darkness, even if I myself don't understand it. What I am about to tell you has happened, and I feel certain it will happen again. In 1971, a not-so-well-known scientist began preparations for an extremely secretive project known simply as the Harbinger Experiment. I would like to keep the identity of the scientist a secret for personal reasons, so throughout this recounting, I will refer to him as Zimmerman. Zimmerman's background is unclear at best beyond 1971. All that is known about him before that time is that he had grown up somewhere in Maryland with a strange fascination of the occult and supernatural. This later made him an outcast among his fellow scientists due to how scoffed upon the metaphysical world was and still is at the time. Zimmerman's opinions concerning the otherworldly were not the sole cause for him being an outcast, though. It was his methods that made him widely unaccepted among his peers. Zimmerman was well known during his time for being ruthless and cold beyond measure. He never cared about the means. All that mattered to him was results, and if he predicted the results to be valuable enough, anything would be worth obtaining them. It was this insatiable and brutal lust for the truth that made him feared among those that knew of him. And the few that knew of him and did not fear him believed in him and followed him in his work closely. The word harbinger itself has such a mysterious and intimidating taste to it. Maybe it's the way it rolls from our tongues, or maybe it's simply due to its association with the project, but the word always seems to carry a certain amount of doom with it. Which would make sense. The word itself means to warn or forebode. I can't imagine Zimmerman's reason for giving the experiment this title, but in retrospect, it fits perfectly. Zimmerman came to a select few, me being one of them. He told us he was working on something big, and that he needed some people who could keep confidentiality and not spread idle gossip of his work. While he did not fully trust some of us, he did know that we were professionals, and that for some reason or another, we were all in dire need of employment. I had worked at the local clinic as a doctor, but I was caught stealing medication and promptly fired. This left a very dark mark on my resume, so work was hard to find. I was also a native to Alaska and lived near where the experiment would take place, so I guess you could say I was a convenient choice. As you can imagine, I jumped at the opportunity. It was hard not to when I saw the payout. Fifteen of us were hired in total. Some were colleagues of his that had been working with him for a while. Others were maintenance workers, and a few were hired as private security. I was the only medical professional to be hired. It's still a wonder to me how he even attained the funds necessary for the experiment. I would not wholly be surprised if his financing was not entirely legal. But, legal or not, I needed the money he was paying. Looking back, it's a decision I have come to regret. After Zimmerman obtained his money, he used it to buy a relatively large plot of land deep in the frozen wilderness of Alaska. And upon that piece of land, Zimmerman built a complete structure. Not dissimilar to a bunker, in fact. The sole difference being that its goal was to keep any potential damage contained within the structure, rather than keeping it out, as he put it. 
Most of the structure dug underneath the earth, which had the effect of making the underground complex seem so much smaller than it really was from the outside, as would be expected. There was only one way of entering and leaving the underground structure, and it was via a ladder that led from a small, unassuming concrete building on the surface, which I will refer to from now on as the entrance building, for convenience, to the network below. After everyone had gone to bed at night, the hatch that contained the ladder would be sealed off with a very large and thick metal lid. Zimmerman was very strict about this. Located not too far away from the entrance building was a series of wooden cabins that would serve as the sleeping quarters for the staff Zimmerman had hired. Compared to the entrance building standing on the surface, the underground system was massive. At the center of the complex was the control room. This is where all the facility's electronics and such were linked to. This included security cameras, lights, door controls, etc. Consoles, monitors, and computers lined the walls of this large central chamber. This is also where the ladder in the entrance building connected to the underground complex. Connected to the control room were three doors. One led to a similar room that served as the infirmary. Another door led to a break room. And the last door led to the hallways. Hallways, or the complex, began to feel extremely eerie. They were, for some reason, laid out an extremely confusing scheme that led in circles and to complete dead ends. These hallways made up a vast majority of the complex, and it would be very easy to get lost in the maze if you were unfamiliar with the complex. But, if you knew where you were going, you would find yourself standing before one of three 8 by 8 rooms before long. Each room had a camera hooked up to one of the corners of the room, and all three of those cameras were connected to a corresponding monitor in the control room. Cameras were also scattered throughout the hallways, so that whoever was watching their corresponding monitor could see anywhere they wanted to, when they wanted to. Thick metal doors stood at the entrance of each of the 3 by 8 foot rooms, and in order to open them, you would have to enter a 4 digit code into a panel located near the door. I remember when I first arrived at the complex, how badly the hallways frightened me. I've always been claustrophobic, you see, and those hallways were so very narrow. The noise, or more accurately, the lack of it, was also a tremendous source of fear for me in those bleak, narrow hallways. It was always so unnaturally silent, as if the entire world had stopped moving. It really made you feel like you were trapped down there. Thankfully, though, I only rarely ventured into those hallways, for I was the only medical professional in the facility, and I had virtually no reason to go into them. In the beginning, I found it so peculiar that Zimmerman would ask for a medical professional like me on a project like this, but by the time it was all over, I understood why. The official purpose of the Harbinger experiment was to test and observe the effects of extended isolation on the human mind. This is what was listed on reports being sent out, at least. But, unbeknownst to all those who were, who were not participating in the project, excluding the subjects, the true purpose was much, much darker. Like I said before, Zimmerman had always had an obsession with the occult and the supernatural. He sought to prove himself to those who did not believe in him. He wanted physical proof that the supernatural was a real phenomenon. He wanted to be the first one to attain said proof. The true purpose of the Harbinger experiment was to find proof of the metaphysical, a world we could not see. The thought of doing this was naturally a tad bit daunting and even scary, 
but it was Zimmerman's method of doing so that was truly terrifying. Zimmerman believed that he would be able to open a portal between worlds momentarily, allowing three random entities to cross over into our world, and each one of these beings would be trapped within one of the three rooms. Zimmerman had the theory that any entity would try and latch onto the nearest living thing that had the capacity for it. He wanted to use this technique to trap a spirit in a physical form by allowing it to enter a living being that had been injected with compound mixture of Zimmerman's creation. In theory, this compound would keep the entity from simply leaving whatever it was attached to. The only way it would be able to leave a host who had been injected with the compound was through death. According to Zimmerman, the host would have to be something living, with a will strong enough to survive the possession. There's only one known species that possesses the amount of will required for this. Humans. Zimmerman had also done something to ensure that the entities would only enter the three rooms, and that there would only be one entity in each room. Though I cannot say I know what exactly he did. In fact, I know next to nothing when it comes to how Zimmerman managed to do what he did. He liked to keep his methodology a secret to his most trusted colleagues, most likely due to his paranoia that some would steal his ideas and take credit for the success of his said ideas. If I had known that this was the true purpose before I signed up, I may have reconsidered. But Zimmerman decided not to tell us until we were all gathered at his fortress. Even if any of us wanted to leave, I doubt we would have been allowed to do so. The security team Zimmerman had hired was loyal to him and the payout. It is not likely that Zimmerman had given them the order to now allow anyone to leave. There were three different subjects included in the experiment. All were native to Alaska, and each one was lured into the project under the belief that they would be participating in a harmless study of the effect of isolation on the human mind, as I mentioned before, which is why none of the subjects objected when they realized they would be confined to one of the three rooms that I mentioned earlier. The first subject was a young man. He was apparently out of work and desperately needed the money that had been offered for participating in the study. The second was a woman. By looking at her, I could tell she was an addict of some sort. The third and final subject was an older man, a drifter if I had to guess. One thing that they all had in common was that none of them had any family or friends left. In short, no one would miss them, which is why they were chosen for the project. I am sorry. I wish I could supply more information about the subjects. But all of this has been drawn from memory, and I was given little information on the three to begin with. The experiment did not officially begin until 1987, 16 years after its original announcement. I was eager to begin, so I packed up and headed out to the complex as soon as I could. I arrived at the compound a week before the subjects had even signed up, and a whole month before the project even began. I was not the first to arrive by any means. When I got there, Zimmerman, his colleagues, and the security team had already arrived. I suppose you could say I was among the people Zimmerman did not trust to arrive first. Everyone had arrived about a week before the experiment began. There was a noticeable rift between those who were simply there for the money, like me, and those who were followers of Zimmerman. On October 15, 1987, all the preparations were in place. The subjects had been sealed in their rooms, 
Cameras, lights, and speakers were fully operational, and all the staff members had settled in. The time had come for the experiment to officially begin. Zimmerman asked everyone to report to the control room around 9 p.m. to witness the beginning of the experiment. He wanted everyone to be present when he proved that all his theories had been correct, and that he was not just a madman. He wanted us all to see the fruits of his labor. When everyone had finally gathered in the large control room, Zimmerman turned to us and simply said, Observe. When he turned back to us, leaned into the microphone that would project his voice through the three rooms, and then he began chanting in a strange language that I feel certain no one but Zimmerman could understand. We all observed the three large monitors on the wall, silently waiting for something to happen. The subjects all stood in their room, dumbstruck by Zimmerman's chanting, staring at the monitors with confused expressions on their faces. After about five minutes, I felt something... awful. I cannot explain exactly what it was, but a horrible feeling of dread washed over me, riddling me with fear. It was then the ground actually began to shake subtly, and the lights began to flicker. Zimmerman continued chanting to the microphone as if nothing was off or wrong, while the subjects began dashing around the room, screaming for help. Then suddenly, the ground stopped shaking, and the monitor's image turned to static. The air began to become very heavy as we all stared at the monitors, waiting for them to regain their image and show us what was happening or had happened in those three rooms. For a while, all was silent. But then there was screaming. The screams of a woman going through unbearable pain and terror began to echo through the compound. The similar screams of men began to coincide with the woman's terrified screams, and together they mixed into an awful symphony of pain and fear that beat mercilessly into our ears. Those of us who were here for the money began to give each other scared looks, while those loyal to Zimmerman seemed completely unfazed. We wanted to leave and never come back to this awful place, but we all knew deep down that Zimmerman would never allow that to happen. We were here for the long haul. There was no escape. It was 10.13 p.m. when the screaming finally stopped. The monitors had yet to reveal to us what had occurred in those three rooms. As soon as the screaming ended, Zimmerman stood and dismissed us all for the night, adding that we were all forbidden to come back into the compound until 10 a.m. tomorrow morning. Not like any of us wanted to, anyway. We all solemnly made our way out of the compound and towards the cabins and settled in for the night. I feel it is safe to say that not all of us slept well that night, and I was not one of them. The following morning... All the staff had arrived at the entrance building. We all stood inside, exchanging tired or nervous looks as we waited for Zimmerman to arrive and open the hatch that concealed the ladder. I could see palpable fear in the eyes of some around us, while others did not seem to have been even remotely affected by what happened last night. Zimmerman showed up five minutes after ten, apologizing for his tardiness as he came through the door of the entrance building. He opened the hatch and, without any hesitation, began descending the ladder downward into the black abyss. He almost seemed enthusiastic. I was the first to follow behind Zimmerman's dark descent into the facility. 
It seemed that the farther I climbed down, the more darkness closed in on me, as if it was trying to swallow me whole. And as I climbed deeper, I couldn't help but feel that this place was... It was different, somehow. Well, before, there was only the unsettling concrete hallways and rooms. Now there was... something else. Something made the eeriness feel real and personified. I felt like a horrible and gruesome scene awaited us down there, but I continued climbing downward, despite my fear and my hesitation. This was no longer just a spooky bunker. There was darkness and malevolence in the air. A true evil now lived here, and I could feel it. We all could. I finally felt my foot touch ground, and let out a silent sigh of relief to be on solid ground. Almost as if on cue, the light bulbs came alive, dousing the room in their warm and welcome light. Zimmerman must have turned on the power, I thought. I allowed myself to take a couple seconds to examine the control room. It was exactly as we had left it last night, for which I gave a silent and thankful prayer. It was almost as if nothing unusual had ever happened. I shook myself from my thoughts as I remembered the static-filled monitors from the night before. I let my eyes slowly make their way towards the monitors on the wall, anticipating the grim and fearful scenes that would be on them. My intention was first grabbed by monitor one and three, which were still pure static. It would have been a small relief, but then the motionless image on monitor two caught my eye. Room two was entirely still, and everything seemed entirely untouched. I couldn't help but gasp as I noticed the only thing that was different. The woman lay in the center of the small concrete room. An expression of fear and terror was frozen into her gaunt face as she lay silent and lifeless on her back. Zimmerman's expression turned angry when he saw this. He ordered that second monitor be turned off, and it was. We didn't ask why. It's not like any of us wanted to see the dreadful scene any longer. He also ordered that if the images in the monitors 1 and 3 did not return within the next two hours, the security team would be sent to investigate the rooms. The security team nodded at hearing this. They made it seem as if they had no fear, but I could see it in their eyes. The subtly loud tick-tock of the clock was the only sound that echoed through the control room while I stared at the monitors. An hour and fifty minutes had gone by, and static was still all that occupied monitors one and three. All of the other staff members were working except me. This was due to the fact that the project had been completely injury-free thus far, so I essentially had nothing to do but wait for someone to hurt themselves. Zimmerman, a couple of his colleagues, and I were the only ones that occupied the room. They quietly chatted amongst each other on the other side of the room while I spent my time reading and pondering the situation I currently found myself in. I had clearly made a mistake on coming here. The corpse lying in room two was evidence enough of this. God only knew what had awaited us in rooms one and three. My thoughts were soon interrupted as Monitor 3's image returned. The clear image, now displayed on the screen, made everyone's eyes noticeably widen. What was displayed on the monitor was... horrifying. A humanoid thing stood in the center of the room, staring directly at the camera, unmoving. It was wearing the jumpsuit that Subject 3 had been issued, but this clearly was not the same man that had entered the room. 
What caught my attention first was its eyes. They were solid black and twice the size of normal human eyes. They seemed so, so endless and cold. Its head had also grown with its eyes in such a symmetrical and unsettling manner. The being also had shed all of the hair it once had, and even from the monitor I could see how unnaturally smooth and queer its skin was. It had also seemingly grown in height and stature, which could be seen in the fact that the jumpsuit was now obviously far too small for its wearer. Its limbs had grown especially long. Its arms hung almost as a l- its arms hung almost as low as the creature's knees. What we were looking at was in no way the same man we had sent inside. Fear. Fear was all I felt as I continued to stare into the monitor at the thing in the room. My fear seemed to be shared by those around me, which made me feel kind of good. It may sound awful, but it was a bit satisfying to see that Zimmerman and his colleagues could feel fear too. But at the same time, it was worrying, because this showed that this was not part of Zimmerman's plan. Something had gone wrong. We all stared into the monitor and the thing despite our fear. It was almost as if we were in a trance. My already present fear began to grow and spread rapidly through my body as I became lost in the creature's eyes, trapped in its terrifyingly hypnotic gaze. After what felt like forever, I managed to break eye contact with the creature and divert my attention from the monitor. And when I did so, I felt my fear levels drop considerably. After a short while, Zimmerman ordered his security team to make their way into Subject 1's door, just as he said he would do. The security team left without question, armed only with batons and pistols. I focused my attention on watching the men progress through the hallways towards Subject 1's room via the cameras. Even through the not-so-high-quality cameras, it wasn't hard to tell that these men were afraid of what awaited them. Their heads were downcast as they walked. They did not possess the same confidence with them as they did when this project began. They looked like scared boys being sent off to a terrible war. Eventually, they made it to the door. We had perfect vision of them in the door via the hallway camera. One of them said something through their walkie-talkies and made a motion towards the camera. In response, one of Zimmerman's colleagues buzzed the door open. The men already had their pistols out by the time when the button was pushed. Slowly, the door began to open. We all watched eagerly as the men began to approach the door, guns aimed inside. Suddenly, and without warning, there was a loud shriek, and something bounded out of the room at the men. The monitor turned to static. Immediately, we could hear screaming echoing down the hallways, followed shortly by the distinct sound of gunshots. We could do nothing but wait. After a couple of minutes, the screaming and gunshots stopped. We all waited and prayed, hoping that whatever bounded at them from the door would not be the one to return to the control room. After a couple more minutes, three of the men came back, carrying with them the corpse of the fourth. He had massive cuts covering his chest. His face was shredded. You couldn't even tell who he was anymore, or even that he was human. I was used to gore, being a doctor and all, so I felt somewhat unfazed by the mass of shredded flesh and bloodied meat they carried with them. But many of the others went pale and vomited. The security team all wore emotionless expressions and eyes filled with terror 
One of the men finally looked up at us. He stared at us for a while with those wide eyes of his. It's dead, he finally managed to mutter in a shaken and scared voice. A couple hours went by. The dead man's name was Frank. He was buried outside in the cold Alaskan ground. Two of the men were unharmed, physically at least. The third was alive, but only barely. His body was covered in bloody slashes, and one of his eyes had been gouged out. I managed to stabilize him, but only just. The other two men vaguely explained what happened. Apparently, Subject 1 leapt out at Frank after the door had opened. Only, it wasn't really Subject 1 anymore. According to them, it had a hideously contorted face and long, sharp claws. They claimed to have shot it over a dozen times before it fell dead. Then they emptied another dozen bullets into it just to be sure it was really dead. Only once it was dead did they come back. After tending to the wounded man, I went to investigate the monitors. As afraid as I was of seeing what those monitors may have held, I needed to see. Subject 3 was the only one left now, and I needed to see it and make sure the creature was still in the room. It seemed to be more like a jail cell than an ordinary room at this point, though, which was probably a good thing. The cameras displaying Subject 1's room and the hallway outside still displayed static. No one was sent to repair them or investigate. We just had to hope that Subject 1 was well and truly dead. Monitor 3's image was exactly the same as I had left it. Subject 3 was still staring into the camera at us. He was still in the exact same position, and if it were not for the small fan in the corner of the room, I would think I was looking at a still image. In a way, I felt relief at seeing this. Relief that he was still in the room and had not escaped while no one was looking. I noticed something especially unusual. There was a, a strange sound emanating from somewhere. At first, it was barely noticeable. The only reason I heard it was because of how extremely quiet it was in the infirmary. But as time went by, it slowly began to increase in volume. After about an hour, it was loud enough that everyone else could hear it too. And after a couple more hours, its volume had increased so much that we could determine what noise it was. It was a song. One of the staff members identified it as Living in the Sunlight by Tiny Tim. Apparently, his father loved the song and listened to it frequently. The song seemed to be on a loop and kept replaying itself. Although we were able to identify the noise, we remained unable to identify its source. We knew it wasn't coming from the speakers because we had turned them off. It seemed to be emitting from the walls themselves. More time ticked by as we all began to become increasingly agitated by the song. I spent most of my time in the infirmary attending to Frank or in the control room. Fear hung in the air, and the presence of unmistakable darkness and evil was no doubt its source. Subject 3 had still not moved. He kept his unblinking gaze fixed on the camera the entire time. It always felt like he was staring directly at me, no matter where I was in the room. I think this effect was also felt by the others, due to the fact that they seemed to move around the room a lot, and for seemingly no reason. After a few hours, the song was so loud that people almost had to shout in order to communicate. 
We had been trying to find its source so that we could turn the song off, but to no avail. The source was completely unidentifiable. This added a level of extreme irritation to our already very present fear. It was around 8.30, the ground began to shake once again, just as it had done the previous night. Panic began to spread among my fellow employees and me as the shaking grew in intensity. During this, I had the sudden instinctual feeling to look over at Subject 3's monitor. It was gone. Almost as upon cue, the power went out, and thankfully, the song did as well. Ever since the security team came back, panic had been slowly building up among the staff, and Zimmerman was powerless to stop it. When those lights went out, the calm projections that everyone had been trying to maintain left us, and the fear in all our hearts took over. The emergency backup lights kicked on shortly after the power went out, which I gave a silent, thankful prayer for. The lights were dim, but they still allowed me to see a lot. Total panic seized us as many of my fellow staff members began screaming and rushing to the ladder in an attempt to escape. But too many were trying to use it at once, and no one was able to get very far on the ladder without someone else pulling them to the floor and taking their place. Zimmerman was shouting for everyone to calm down, but his dominating and intimidating personality had no effect here, and his demands fell upon deaf ears. It was total chaos. It wasn't long until people actually started hurting each other in their desperate attempts to get up that ladder and out of this place. I could only stand against the wall and wait for my opportunity to escape up the ladder. All the screams were soon silenced as the familiar hum of that unsettling song began to rise in volume again, only much quicker this time. And this time, it was clear that the noise was coming directly from the maze-like corridors. People stopped fighting and shouting as all our attention shifted to the door that led to the hallways. The song quickly got louder than it ever had been before, which forced many of us to cover our ears with our hands in an attempt to silence the noise. Then, suddenly, the song just stopped. Silence. That was all that filled the room, as we all stared at the thick metal door in anticipation for what was coming. It felt like ages had gone by, but in reality, it was probably only seconds before the silence was broken. The door suddenly and violently burst open, and the music started again, louder than it ever had been before. The suddenness and the volume of this caused many of us to recoil by falling to the ground and grabbing our ears in an attempt to block out the noise. I glanced up for just a second, and in the doorway stood a tall, smooth-skinned figure with long limbs and eyes so dark and malevolent that you could clearly see them in the dim lighting. After I got my bearings, I looked upwards at the creature once again, just in time to see the thing pick up and rip Zimmerman in half in one fluid movement, dousing the room and everyone in it with his blood, intestines, and organs. I was no stranger to gore, but the sight of that was too much for me to bear. I hunched over immediately after seeing this and vomited all over the cold cement floor. The ladder. The ladder is my only hope of survival. I thought to myself as I forced myself to a standing position. 
And as my eyes rose along with the rest of me, I could see the thing ripping and tearing through people as they scattered in an attempt to escape it. It was distracted. And as awful as it sounds, this was my only chance to get up that ladder. I forced my legs to move towards the ladder, trying to block out the terrified screams of my fellow staff members and the unbearably loud music. I could hear gunshots coinciding with the screams and terrible sounds of flesh being ripped apart somewhere in the mess of noise. I reached my hands outward and felt a wave of relief watch over me as my fingers came into contact with the hard metal rungs of the ladder. I gripped them and began to climb upward as quickly as I could in my disoriented state, all the while praying that the monster would not see me and pull me off the ladder and back to the slaughter. It felt like at any moment I would feel one of its smooth hands wrap around my ankles and pull me to my death, but I eventually made it to the top. There was no question in my mind. I had to close the hatch and seal that thing down there, even if it meant certain death for my colleagues. I could not allow that thing to escape. I gripped the thick metal lid and began to push with all my might in an attempt to seal off the underground complex. Despite how dense and sturdy it was, the lid was surprisingly easy to move and did not take very much effort to push it over the hatch. Even in my weakened state, In seconds, the hatch was completely covered by the dense metal lid. I collapsed on my side and began to vomit some more as exhaustion overtook me. As I lay there, I realized something. Aside from my labored breaths, the only thing I could hear was the faint echo of that song from down below. I felt as though I would lose more of my sanity if I continued to lay there and listen to that song. So, I once again forced myself to my feet began to make my way to the wooden lodge that I had stayed in the previous night. It was there I had left my baggage, and also where I had the keys to my truck. Of the 15 staff members that took part in that forsaken experiment, I am the only one who survived. I have never returned to the awful place where all of this happened, and I don't intend to. The project was very secretive, and Zimmerman was the only one who knew all the details of it. And, as far as I know, no one is aware of my involvement aside from me. In fact, I'm probably the only one who knows what the Harbinger experiment truly was, let alone what actually happened. By now, you're probably wondering why I have told you all about something none of you should be aware of. Maybe you're expecting me to give you a speech about not messing with things you don't understand or something along those lines. I hope not, for I have no speech to give or lesson to impart. I began hearing a noise earlier today. Almost immediately, I recognized the noise as a very haunting and familiar song. I didn't even try to trace it to its source. I knew it would be pointless. As the days progressed, the song has increased in volume. It's loud enough now that I can very clearly make out the lyrics. I am completely unable to escape Tiny Tim's voice. It has followed me everywhere I have gone. Subject 3 is coming for me, and I know my time left in this world is extremely limited now. I guess you could say, I just wanted to tell the tale of the Harbinger experiment before it was lost forever. I hope that you will take some lesson from what I have recounted to you, but I think we both know you won't. Let's be honest, you don't believe a word of what I've just told you, and I don't blame you. I wouldn't believe me if I were you. To you... This is nothing more than something to get your cheap thrills from. 
You were probably mindlessly surfing the internet when you clicked the link and found yourself here, wherever here may be, listening to this story. And to be honest, I don't care if you believe me or not. Even if you do, it probably won't stop you from trying to uncover the truth of a darkness that few of us have ever seen. It certainly never stopped Zimmerman. If you want a lesson, look at what happened to him when we were seeking the truth. I pray that none of you will ever discover the truth. I pray that none of you ever have to see the evil I have seen. I hope you all get to live in ignorance of what lies beyond the veil, of what we can understand. It's here now. I can feel its black eyes burning into me, just as I could all those years ago. I am as much to blame as Zimmerman is for the monstrosity that is now free to roam the world, even if I was not the one to create it. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Oof. My fucking God. Wowie zowie. <laughs> there it is. God. There we are. Damn it. There we are. Wowith of the Zowith. So that was the entirety of the Harbinger experiment. Uh, a very, very, very Whole closely thing. monitored isolation experiment. Neat. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> it was very neat. <laughs> There was a lot. I like the part where people got ripped in half. That was a good part. I mean, there's a lot of things going on in this whole fucking story. And the, uh, the majority of it has to do with something called human isolation. I preferred the part where a lot of uh, Tiny Tim was played. <laughs> <laughs> also, over and we, over again. <laughs> we did find out that Tiny Tim sings the song Tiptoe Through the Tulips. And that song. Insidious. Yep. Yup. Yup. And that song is now public domain. So, oh, fuck so it. So get ready yep. for 30 minutes of, <laughs> on of just that. Oh. I'm just going to play it in the background of this episode and like build it gradually. Please, please do yes, that. Yes, Matt. Yeah. He gets the it. The whole thing. Yeah. He gets it. <laughs> he fucking gets um, it. Well, that was the story of the Harbinger experiment. Um, it is all about human isolation and the effects on one's brain if being in isolation. If isolation is brain, then brain. If if drugs, then <laughs> brain. Uh, so do we okay. think that people, do you think that like some sort of demonic force latched onto these people? Oh, or demonic? I don't think demonic. Why um, not demonic? Well, be, yeah. that's just like too. That's too. Who, uh, what else is ripping people in half? <laughs> it's too biblical, you know. Like it's too like by the book. If there's gonna be a name, that this it's thing, too cliche. I I I guess yeah. I mean, do cliche things ha actually happen? Not really. I mean, it depends on what what show we're watching. Okay, are we so watching, what show are we watching? Are we watching right Supernatural? <laughs> are we? Because if 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 it's supernatural, then we're definitely going biblical. See, I don't, okay, I don't know. It explains a lot of things. I understand that isolationism, like, is a way of life, and there are certain people who take that very seriously. But also, I've read several studies on humans being by themselves for extended periods periods of time, 
and it never ends well. It always ends similar to this. Well, yeah, I guess that's I guess that's why they say like uh, you know when you get I get what's it called when you're in jail and they like uh, put you by yourself for a long time solitary confinement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the word. Yeah, that's why uh, it's a then, punishment. And then they always come out and rip people in half. It always yeah. happens. There's Every always time. flaws involved, and you know, mm-hmm. the unseen force rips you in four different pieces. That's what solitary it, confinement it, it, it is. Kind of, it sounds kind of kinky. And that, that sounds like we're kink shaming at this point. <laughs> we're not kink shaming. What do you think he injected him with? That is a oh my Just, I'm so happy you asked that. I don't know. Um if I had to guess meth mixed I, with I would say ketamine. Ah uh, yeah. Honestly, I would say ketamine. I've meth, ketamine, and fentanyl. To well, okay. That's that's ketamethanol. Fair. <laughs> I, I, ketamethanol. I've seen, enough, drug. I've seen enough people <laughs> in a K-hole before yeah, no. to where that actually kind of makes sense. Right? A little like, bit. <laughs> the, amphetamine, the, the amphetamine spiral exists right here. I mean, it's it's giving off very big Russian sleep experiments. Oh, vibes. absolutely. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's just a Russian sleep experiment, but we did it three times. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes. Yes, exactly. Um... So, like, I guess this kind of leads into the question is, do people perform these kinds of experiments on actual living humans? See, but that's the biggest thing is we don't know. Because and why shit, would we? Because shit like this doing happens. it underground in Alaska. Yeah. And they're, it's all secret, right? It's off the books. So, okay, let me ask you both of you, as human beings that are a part of Earth, do you guys think that these types of experiments are being performed on living human beings. Not anymore. Not anymore. I, I, well, I bet the, the Russians and the Germans were up to some crazy fucking shit. Yeah. That's, that's Nazi science day, is batshit. You are correct. That was actually what I was going to bring up. Uh, and I forget the exact name of it. Uh, what were those like fucking crazy uh, World War II experiments they were doing in Japan? Do you know what I'm talking about, Matt? Uh, oh, I know what you're talking about, but I don't know what I can't remember the name of it. But like, they were like, utterly... we talked about it. Well, we didn't, we didn't in depth, but Not like, depth. they, they no, were we, doing we like weird shit where they were like, how, how much can we freeze this body part before like something bad happens? And it was just like really weird shit. They were just like, we just need to know like how the human science. body works with people that we don't care if they live or die. It's just that kind of shit. And like you there's really no good way for us to know like okay, well, yeah. Like this is going on because a our governments aren't telling us shit. No. They're and not going to tell us if they're doing that. Like no, why would they do why that? Why would they? So if they can do it without telling us, why a, would they tell us while they're doing it? I don't think question. our government is trying to contact the paranormal by injecting people with some weird substance and like locking people inside them. I agree room. with you. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I do not think that's that is the specific steps to make that happen. <laughs> I do think that our government is trying to contact the extra normal entities that might exist within or, or without our world. You think they just got like one guy that's on the books who's like the paranormal guy at like some government agency? He's and like, it's like, yeah, sure, man, whatever. They keep him on the payroll, funding. and they're just like, you are, uh, you are part of the X Files, and that's the sure, name sure. we're gonna give it. 
and you just have to accept it. And he's like, yeah, man, I got it. Yep. <laughs> How's it going today, Greg? Oh, I'm really close to a breakthrough. Yeah, sure. Okay, buddy. That could be it. Yeah, that could be it. I mean, the weird shit that we, why does the boob keep falling off the fucking, can we just put it back? We don't, we don't, we don't bring up the boob. Um, I think, I think if we yeah. were researching these things, we've probably already come to a conclusion with them. And there's probably some very top secretive sort of shit where they're just doing the things without having to experiment on people. Like some guy out there is like, oh yeah, I got fucking, I got to shoot fire out of my hand. It's fucking, it's pretty sweet. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, they got all this shit underground, and they got Kane down there. And they <laughs> yeah, just send Kane him is absolutely time. yep, 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 yep. Every time get shit gets out of hand, they just send him in, like <laughs> take care. Of it. But no, like it's Kane. But like these these <laughs> human isolation experiments, I know that there exists a a legacy with that, especially in America. I know the CIA is heavily involved in shit like this. Where does this come from? Is there any like source or is this just like a standalone experiment? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> fuck, really? Okay. Uh, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, fuck. I didn't actually prepare for this, but that's fine. Um, Neither did we. I would say that like the wow. basis for this, like the basis of studying the human psyche comes from the CIA in the 60s or 70s when they were, they, they were, no, they were shooting people full of LSD and they were seeing what happened. It was essentially just a crapshoot. Um, a lot of different experiments came from this era. Uh, one that you guys might know of is the project MK ultra, yeah. um, heavily involved LSD mind control and the possibilities of such. Um, this reminded me so much of that, like from the, the preliminary steps of like, Make sure that these people don't know what they're talking about or what they're doing. Make sure that no one knows their premises around this experiment. Give them LSD and they won't know. Like, it's it's right there. It's, it's the one-step solution. You know what I mean? I feel like that's even, like, a step lower than what we're talking about, though. Because okay. MKUltra was... Which we could really that's, realistically leave this for an episode on That's MK 18 Ultra, hours but, of talking that we don't like, need to get into right now. Like MK Ultra was like a cakewalk compared to this experiment. Yeah, 100%. And, I, and I say that because literally the people who were involved in MK Ultra, they were just dosing each other <laughs> with at LSD the, at the at the CIA, CIA compound. Like they with were just LSD. they were just doing it to each and other and like slipping it to each other without right. them knowing. And then exactly. they were like walking around to like parties and stuff. And like I don't feel great. <laughs> I feel bad. Guys. Yeah, no, they, just, they, they were just letting you know. They they were yeah. literally like, "Hey, uh, hey, Frank, you want a sandwich I made? Like, I made an, I made a sandwich. I got a little extra. You want some of that?" And they'd be like, "Yeah, sure, fucking." And then, like, all of a sudden, they're on fucking like three thousand micrograms of fucking LSD or some shit, and they're just like not having. But a good they're time. also they're experiencing normal everyday life at that fucking capacity. You know what I mean? Actually, I mean, in this regard, all right, this is this is getting off topic as fuck, uh, because I have so many different things I could talk about with this. Uh, we're not doing uh, MK Ultra. So that being said, <laughs> real quick, Matt, would you give us a small TLDR of just kind of what just happened? Like what we just heard? So, yeah. So basically what what had happened was 
this guy was contacted <laughs> by this doctor whose real name we don't know, who who is referred to as Zimmerman. And this guy is supposed to be a doctor on this guy's team for some unknown experiment. And when he shows up, he's told that the experiment is essentially going to just be that uh, they're going to take these people and they're going to put them in isolation and they're not going to be allowed to contact anybody for a long period of time and they're going to monitor these people to see how their behavior changes. But what he finds out later is that what's actually going down is that Zimmerman has concocted some sort of like substance that he's injected these people with that he believes will put them in some sort of state where entities from other dimensions will latch onto them and not be able to escape because whatever substance he's pumped these people full of won't let them out. And so... They do this and they monitor these three people for like a short period of time and and shit like almost immediately goes real fucking south and mm-hmm. like one person just straight up dies. Yep. And then another person turns into some sort of weird tall freaky thing and starts like they send they send like a security crew in to try to figure out what's going on with this dude because they can't see him on the security camera anymore and he's turned into some sort of freaky fucking thing and starts attacking these people kills one guy and then the the other three shoot it in the head and kill it and then while they're observing the third person who's left um that guy <clears throat> starts <laughs> apparently somehow just like making the entire complex that they're performing these experiments Mm -hmm. in shake and then starts playing fucking tiny Tim through the goddamn walls. And then he just escapes from his room and then starts slicing people in half all willy nilly. And the only person that gets out of the compound is this person who's telling us this story. And then at the end of the story, we find out that this fucking thing somehow also got out of the compound that his he thought following. he had sealed him in and is following him. It follows oh. him. Yep. yep, yep, yep and yep, it's yep. probably has probably ripped him in half at this point. Yeah. Not uh, a not a good not a good Tuesday. No, not even remotely close. God Tuesday. Um this reminds me very, very, very closely to uh there's another creepy person. It's just called God, I think. And it's about somebody who essentially gets uh, voluntarily blinded and deafened and stuck in a chamber of like sensory deprivation. There's like, you can't like no senses are being had here. Um, and essentially what happened is this person started to feel the presence of God and feel how terrifying that presence is and just amplified, amplified, amplified. And this reminded me of this just a bit simply because it went from like, we're going to observe these three random Alaskan native people to we are going to watch these three people turn into creatures that rip our faces apart and then also dispose of our bodies in the most malicious way possible. It's just fucking carnage and chaos. Yeah, I, I, I wonder what Zimmerman thought was going to happen. I mean, did did he just think That's, that the being yes. was just going to be locked inside these people's bodies? And, the, and then what? Then what was his plan? After, exactly. Uh, well, like, well, where was he going after that? Like, he this, obviously saw that his plan was, like, going well, going well. 
and there was a very distinct moment where his plan went fucking awry, and he was pissed. The moment is immediately. Immediately. Yeah, that's the moment. So this <laughs> Day is, one. The second is, one. This is classic, like, actually classic horror movie trope where they they even said it in the story don't mess with things that shouldn't be messed with and it's that exact sentiment that you see okay we have fucking dr x here zimmerman yep trying to pull in supernatural forces from another fucking dimension or whatever you want to call it into the bodies of other people like there's no there's no way this doesn't go from zero to 100 no. immediately. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, if you even, <clears throat> like, yes, I love supernatural things, and I love H.P. Lovecraft, and I love all of that shit, but if there was any inkling that I thought that I could just read a couple lines of script and blast a fucking demon from another dimension <laughs> into somebody else's body, <laughs> you know, you you better know not to do it. Like, there's no fucking. There's no there's reason no good to side. do that. There's no, no good side to this. Like a bad idea. Yeah, it's just bad. Yes. All around bad. Hundred percent. It's just bad. Fucking don't do it. You don't. Don't. Do and that it. was the whole point of the story we, we fucking read you. Like, do not delve into the supernatural. Just fucking don't do it. It according like, like to it goes beyond contacting them. It's like if you've yes. ever watched any sort of like exorcism movie or anything. It's like. The whole th- shit is like shit gets really, really, really bad when you when like demons get a vessel to possess. And this dude was just like, "Here's three of them." Yep, ex- Here you go exactly. He's like, "I got you. I am your homeboy. Get into my vessel right the fuck now." Would you like a meat suit to ride around in? <laughs> <laughs> Here you go. Yeah, no, that's exactly. all yours. It's it, no, nope, nope. Yeah. Uh. Uh-uh. Yeah. Uh. Uh-uh. I don't know. The uh, the story was great, and I feel like we uh, we did very some well justice. written. Very yeah. well written. Yeah. But um, I just I don't want it. Yeah. To, I don't want it to be a real it's, thing. It doesn't have to be. This is one of the better written creepy bosses I've read. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. A thousand percent. Agreed. And so, the reason it's so it's so well written is because it is based like halfway in fact. Um, this story takes a ton from sleep paralysis demons, which makes a lot of fucking sense. Um, it also takes a lot from occultism, it takes a lot from, uh, supernatural entities, how to get them into this world. Like it borrows a ton from the different supernatural worlds. And that's why it's so fucking good because it doesn't matter what realm you're from or what, like what you believe in, you can find some kind of truth in this story and that's why it's so i don't know successful i guess i think it does a good job in not being like it's a demon or it's a right it's a fucking elder guy like it doesn't take one trope and throw it into the story it's It's kind of just like here's what happened here's what i saw it doesn't doesn't tell you what the thing is which i think is a almost helps the story out uh because Mm -hmm. you know you've got a lot of I mean, you can read any kind of sci-fi, horror, whatever it may be, and you can get a very specific, like, here's a demon that came out of a thing, and you hear the word demon, or you hear the word, like, uh, like eldritch horror, or whatever it may be, 
um, and you kind of associate whatever that story is with the thing that's happening. And I think with this one, it, it really leaves the imagination going. All you have to work with is that Tiny Tim is just a piece of shit. Jesus. Yeah. Just that, a big fucking asshole. Just, yeah. Public domain. Why? <laughs> just why a heads up. is his, mu- his music always showing up in scary, scary things? Tip I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence. Through the tulips. It's just, it's fucking frightening. Like the whole thing, it's unsettling. It's not, it, there's something wrong with the music. And that actually goes back to our, uh, our definition of uncanny last episode. I think that's like, the real topic of the of the episode. Is it uncanny? The uncanny feeling? No, no, it's it's Tiny Tim. Tiny Tim. Tiny he, Tim. What he up to? <laughs> yeah. We can go over what, that for what, sure. What is what, what is Tiny, what Tiny, Tiny Tim, Tim, up Tim up to? doing? Um, <laughs> actually, so the song that's featured. Oh fuck! What was it called? It's it it's free domain. Um, it's uh when the sunshine. What is it called? Tiptoe through the window. No, we we living don't, in we, the sunshine. What is it? Living in the sunshine. Living in the sunshine by Tiny Tim. Yes. Oh right, right. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, the most famous song by Tiny Tim is "Tiptoe Through the Tulips," simply because it is a part of several different horror movies, few of which executed properly. But either way, it's a fucking horrifying song. So "Tiptoe Through the Tulips" is a horror staple. Yet. They choose to go a different route with Tiny Tim. That's weird to me, right? Like, I don't know. I feel like if there's a horror trope to be had, it would be. Sounds like they were like, hey, this is creepy and I want to incorporate it, but I don't want to do exactly what everybody else has done. So I guess I'm going to pick a different song. But I mean, if you if you hear tiptoe through the tulips, you know, like something horrifying is coming right at this point in life. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe there's somebody who just really, like, unironically likes Tiny Tim and is just sitting in their house <laughs> right now just spinning his records. That's fair. That's, I never considered that. That's fair. Um, <laughs> I want to meet that person. <laughs> Same. I want to see what, interesting. what kind of person that is. Like, who really? listens to Tiny Tim as, like, a, a hobby? <laughs> Spotify <Yep>. fucking <laughs> year rap fucking... Yeah, <laughs> Tiny Tim is your number one artist. <laughs> what genre is that? Fucking... It's... I don't even know. Just a weird shit all around. Yeah, that's all I gotta say. Um, Jason, do you got any like real world? I shit have on this? so much. I have so many studies in front of me right now. Um, I that's, actually have a. That's good. I have a conglomeration of right. twelve to fifteen different uh, professors of psychologies opinions on this kind of phenomenon essentially um what i found out is that all of them say yep none of you have the (laughs) mental capacity to decide anything uh you are (laughs) fucked up and you have mental problems that's what i found on On this, I guess it's you are fucked up and you have mental problems. <laughs> that's that's what I've found. Um, so Nick can Nick Canas, a professor mm. of psychiatry at the University of California, San Francisco, says um, he's reviewed more than 60 reports from studies conducted in space analog environments, such as Antarctica, submarines, land based and submersible simulators. So, again. 
going along with the uh the isolation um okay a lot of people think they could fucking handle it um i have like 12 uh-huh. studies in front of me right now saying that nobody can that, fucking that ain't handle gonna it. Happen. yeah no that's not happening um so again nick canas he essentially set up a study in antarctica uh, for it was a total team of six people and they were scheduled on off shifts, which means each one of them had something to do while the rest of them did not. So there were, there was always somebody working while somebody was not, um, whether it was actual meaningful work or not, that's a whole other thing. What this was, you know, an experiment, um, essentially they measured the effects of, uh, Hydromania, um, they measured the effects of... Hydromania. Yes. Which means obsession with water versus the fear of water. Triskaidekaphobia, which is the fear of number 13. Um, There are a lot of different fears and phobias or manias that were studied in this extension of this experiment. However, I don't know how to differentiate those pieces of data from the others. Um, So... Here's what was found. This person's colleagues basically called into questions the salience of uh, such analog studies from manned space missions. So this was the basis for manned space missions, essentially making sure that at least one person aboard would making make it out with their mind. Most of them, according to the simulation, did not. There was one person, as long as they met certain requirements, to actually make it out alive. And alive being defined as keeping their own personal attributes about them. Like, most people that came out of this fucking test were not themselves anymore, is essentially what I'm trying to say. Um, they did the test in zero-g uh, zero confines. They did the test in... Uh, submersibles i don't know how deep they went um it was all based in the antarctic it was fucking ridiculous so think the thing essentially the thing or (laughs) semicolon the experiment is what happened here and the findings the findings from all of these were essentially that if somebody spends an, an aggressive amount of time by themselves they will lose their fucking mind. They will lose their sense of reality. And there's nothing you can do about that. What that means. I guess you would, you just have like no point of reference as no. to like, what's a sane thought. No, exactly. You like just, you're just alone with your own thoughts and you're just like, is that sane? I don't know. And, and then you, you can just start to believe anything. Probably. You can basically coordinate with your own brain. What makes sense. But by definition, that means you are not sane because if you are using your own brains, like contextualization of what's happening in front of you, that that just means that you're biased. That just means yeah, that you're you, missing something. You have no point of contact exactly. for exactly what other people are visualizing or experiencing, yes. essentially. So your point of reference is just moot, a moot point. It's a moot point because <laughs> all you see is what you see. Oh, and that's the only thing these fucking people see. And that's, that's, I don't know how to determine, I don't know how to interpret that. 
How do you incorporate that into the actual physicality versus? I, don't I think know, you take a volleyball real? and you draw a face on it, <laughs> and you start Wilson! talking about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, how else do you define this? I don't know. I don't know. I think you just... uh, real quick. I looked up Tiny Tim. He has three hundred and fifty-three thousand monthly listeners on Spotify. Oh and if you go to, shit! Like the the fans also like section. One of the top recommended artists is Wesley Willis. And if you don't know who Wesley Willis is, if you've ever heard the song "Rock and Roll McDonald's," <laughs> "Rock and Roll McDonald's," "Rock and Roll McDonald's," that's Wesley Willis. So There's just a weird subset out. of yeah. fucking. <laughs> people out there listening to that specific yeah mm, okay i don't know <laughs> I, I i have nothing else to talk about right now yeah i mean i think we've covered quite a bit of this human topic. isolation a bunch we touched very briefly on mk ultra we talked i don't know I don't i'll know talk about talk mk about. ultra for way longer but i'm not going to no, but we can this, all this talk whole about that for this longer. whole thing obviously uh you know i guess i guess the the last thing we can do before we just shit all of our fucking social medias at you is is real or fake. Are you ready, Matt? Let me just pre. What is real? What is yeah, fake? exactly? Yeah, let's, let's define. Let's so, go. if you think it's real, um, that means that you think um that the story of is the harbinger real. experiment, like the whole thing, Doctor Zimmerman. <laughs> brought three people aside from the other 15 people he hired down into a fucking dungeon of a basement that was essentially the the fucking labyrinth um my joke was made way less funny by jason uh, yeah i thought i thought doug was going somewhere i wasn't i was just making a joke oh, okay i thought you were i'm so sorry i was just gonna say <laughs> if you think it's wow. real then you think that the story is real and if it's fake Wow, he's out. All right. <laughs> this was worth it. I'm glad we stopped and did this. Someone, someone <laughs> needed to be the mic in this situation, and I took. If full you think force it's real, that. you think that <sighs> if somebody is enclosed in a room Big and a sigh. portal is opened, you can basically turn them into a clear-skinned creature that haunts your nightmares. If you think it's Ooh. fake, you just think that schizophrenia exists you don't believe in jesus yeah that one yeah are we ready are those the two criteria i'm not even sure where i'm at anymore anyways real or fake on three one two three fake Fake. wow wow Wow. it's because we we did fucking russian sleep experiment it's because it's a creepypasta yeah it is because it's a peepypasta yeah it's a penis spaghetti peepypastas equal fake yeah, um, if you go uh, to, you know, del- I would say yes, but one of the creepy passes that we tried to cover was yay video games, and then I don't know if that's a creepy. <laughs> if you go to deludipod.com or deludy.com, you will find links to all of our social media pages. There's a Twitter, there's an Instagram, there's a TikTok where we upload TikToks that are videos that you won't see anywhere else. Correct. If you go to our YouTube at youtube.com/slash/addeludipod, you will see video versions of all of our episodes. And you'll also occasionally see extra bonus content Hell that yeah. you won't get anywhere else as well. We just uploaded a video last week that is me and Jason being subjected to Mike feeding <laughs> us weird, awfully flavored things. It was bad. And getting was... really drunk in the process. Yep. 
Um, so check that out. If you go to patreon.com slash deludipod, you can choose to give us money or you cannot <laughs> or, yep. choose to give us money. You can give us something or you can give us nothing. Perfect. Um, if you see Mike just out in the wild, if anybody who's listening to this just oh, happens yeah. to see Mike, please return him to us. Please. I at, haven't seen him in months. Uh, P.O. Box 6437 Aurora, Illinois, 60598. <laughs> or you can send other things there, and we'll open them. We will. We did last um, time. or two times. We did. Yeah. We opened the Address thing. them to don't look under the internet. Hell yeah. Or any one of us specifically. Nope. Yeah. Don't do uh, that. Well, you would. You know what? Yeah. Address them to don't look under the internet. Not to Ludi. Don't look under the internet. Don't look under the internet. Because it will fully, get returned. Fully spelled out. Because yep. the, the uh, postal service is. Do stupid. I have to go fucking fight with Doug, the post what do you office? <sighs> well, you can. I don't think it's going to solve anything. I don't, I don't think so either. You could but... also just go down to the post office and just put Deluti <laughs> onto the list of names that we can accept. That's what I'm saying. Like... We could, but they've been really, really, really pushy they've about been so us giving, difficult. giving them an EIN number. So and I difficult. keep telling them, hey, here it is. We ain't, we ain't got that far yet. So. Uh, until then, uh, leeching off of what Matt said, if you see Mike out in the wild, just fucking fuck him. Wind, wind, just have sex with him. Wind that leg up. Like I'm talking (laughs) Donkey Kong from fucking Super Smash Brothers. And you wind that leg up so to the, to, till your, your leg is glowing. That's when you know it's done, right? And you just you just punt that man. Do not have sex with Hamlet. Just so far in the next week. And his child. I said it. And then put them both in a box and send them to P.O. Box 6437 or Royal and, and then call our phone number, which I don't know what it is. No. So 9366. <laughs> if someone knows it, say it now. I have to know it because I fucking get rid of it every time. <laughs> Uh, I don't, was that a full phone number? I don't think it, it was. It was like 630-939-9366. Once again, it is 630-939-9366. Once again, do not have sex with Hamlet. Okay, that, I'm counting don't that as Jason's turn. That was Jason's turn to, to say what he wanted to. <laughs> Ash Vlogs Part 5. Here we go. Welcome to Ash Vlogs Part 17. Oh my fucking God. Guys, we love you so much. This is the end of my effort to this episode. I can't do anymore. We love you so much. We will see you next week. Doug, anything? I already said some stuff. Cool. Matt. He already said some stuff, too. Bye. Yeah, put, put, yeah, put Mike in the P.O. box. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> put Mike in the P.O. box. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Welcome back to Inner Night. It's great to have you here once again. To begin the night, repeat after me. I am deserving of love, respect, and happiness. My mind belongs to them now. I am capable of handling any challenges that come my way. Repeat those words as many times as you need this week. Now we have a message in a bottle from another member of Inner Night. Luna says, Do not breathe in the fog. What a wonderful message. Your lucky numbers for this week are 104, 116, 116, 112, 115, 58, 47, 47, 
98, 105, 116, 46, 108, 121, 47, 51, 111, 100, 84, 52, 55, 99. For this week, we recommend spending some time doing something creative, like painting or writing, to boost your creativity and help you express yourself. Remember, self-expression is important for your mental health and well-being. Don't forget to leave a message for another member to receive. You will join us again next week. Good night.